I, I want to note that uh, I was watching you where you were having your technical difficulties a little while ago. Why are you and telling there was a, the the camera was frozen and it was right here. And I, we are goatee twins. <laughs> so you coming back to it? I like it. Okay, we're goatee. We're going back. We're goatee. Go, goatee go twins. We're going to do it again. Well, go to, go twins. Welcome. I'm telling you, go twins is a thing. Welcome. To I make debatable. I make nicknames for for a living. Um, Jabbar. Yeah, that's that's the one class you have. I'm Dominic Foster. That's David Dennis Jr. Happy Father's Day, David. Man. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to yeah. you. Glad that we know so much about each other in our parenting um, journey. Yeah, and, and all and that stuff. Happy Juneteenth to you, which is a weird holiday because we were celebrating the fact that word didn't get out west for a long time. So, congratulations yeah. on belated freedom to you and your yeah. Happy. Happy Juneteenth, uh, black man. Alabaster's making his worth in his birthday. So, so there's that. Oh, man. Way to tee him <laughs> up. That's how we celebrate. Alley hooping for L. Give it to him, Alabaster. I, I got it. I knew that was coming. I was just, I was <laughs> sinking in my chair waiting for it. Um, but I'm what, also. What, what do you got for us? I'm, I'm pretty sad today. Yeah. I'm a Wizards fan. I am one of the six Wizards fans. Mm. What do you think of the Suns and the Wizards? After the Bradley Beal trade, <laughs> you want to start with the Suns because it's happy, or start with the Wiz? I don't know. Like I feel like <sighs> this isn't exactly what the Suns need, but I think it's something that you can have too too much of. So like the Suns roster is certainly not missing a offensive wing. <laughs> like that is not the thing that they need. It's the one thing they have plenty of. But fortunately for them, the thing that you need more than just about anything in basketball is. Uh, I want to say two-way wing, but no one's ever accused Bradley Beal of being a two-way wing. But they have two other two-way wings who can score, and uh, mm -hmm. their biggest issue was way to find – or one of their bigger issues was ways to find points when uh, they had to go away from uh, both uh, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. So Bradley Beal seems to answer that question, and you can't double-team both of them. You certainly can't double-team both of them and still – have uh, someone to extend on the three-point line to protect Bradley Beal. So this is a pretty nice upgrade for the Suns while also not giving up very much. I'm going to use an analogy, if you will. So you talked about, like, the need and all that stuff. Like So at, at my local grocery shop, grocery store, occasionally they'll have brisket for $2.99. Oh, Do I actually need yummy. a brisket? But when it's $2.99, you just grab it and you just throw it, you know, throw it in the freezer. Whatever. We'll see. Is there too much meat in my freezer? Probably, but it's $2.99. The Suns just got a $2.99 brisket uh, <laughs> in the form of Bradley Beal. Because do they actually is he gonna feed fit their needs? Not exactly. They still need a point guard. They still need bench depth. They still need defense. But they traded Chris Paul, who they were getting rid of anyway, yeah. Landry Shamit. Second round picks and a Garbage. meaningless pick swap. It's like nothing. Like might as well go pick up that brisket, throw it in the freezer, and then when you get home, figure out where it fits. Like they gave away nothing for this for this guy, and and that's you know, and that's what they got. And so I don't think this this really makes them a champ. I mean, I think it elevates them a little bit because yeah. there's going to be those games like we saw in round two where Booker and Durant just were on a heater, and that's going to sustain them for a few couple rounds. They still need a point guard to get the ball to all those people, and they still have things to figure out, which why I think is why Aiton has got to be out of there. They've got to be figuring out what to do um, to get some pieces, you know, and in, in back from Aiton. But, yeah, I mean, why not? Why? How could you not yeah. do this for, for what they paid for him? Well, I mean, uh, I think it helps also in getting through the dog days, which is pretty much all 82 regular season games. So, mm -hmm. like, having some offensive production to get them to the playoffs without putting too much wear and tear on Booker and mostly Durant, honestly, at this point in his career, mm -hmm. I don't think you want – 
him to waste too much energy or put too much strain on his knee or his Achilles or any other of his long limbs uh, throughout the regular season. So it's helpful there. But the reason why you don't do it, I'm certainly not arguing that they lost this trade, but it felt like what they needed was some depth. And they are eating up a bunch of their cap without getting any more depth. So I'm not saying it's something that they shouldn't have done because it's hard to pass up on an all-star, adding an all-star mm. to your roster because that works. Someone you can rely on. And someone I think is probably his shooting percentage is going to go up now that he has other people on his team that people have to guard. So he'll be a great asset there. But I still think that they've limited their flexibility when they still need a lot more guys, which is why I think you're probably right. The next shooter drop at some point this offseason, I think the Suns are going to try to do something with Aiton and probably trade him in a way that they can get back uh, some bench and some help that's uh, less expensive. Yeah, I mean, the front office obviously clearly shown that they're ready to win now. They've made two sort of blockbuster moves here. And th this is like where the creativity comes from. I don't think without this build, I don't know where they were going to get the depth from. I don't think what you, right. you were, were going to get nothing better for Chris Paul and Andrew Shaman in second round right. picks. Than That's fair. You know, like that wasn't even going to give you the depth that you needed. Um, that wasn't going to give you um, really anything that you needed <laughs> really to, to make it sustainable. This is the best you were going to get. And now you just got to hope that Aiden gives you something. And if not, then you're just going to have these guys that drop 40 points uh, and, and just go on an incredible hot streak. It, you know, like it, they're, like we just watched Jimmy Butler sort of do this on his own, right? Mm -hmm. And so now you have three guys who can do this for a sustained amount, sustainable amount of time, even though defensively yeah. that, you know, I, I think I mean, your I guess point, though, I think, yeah. The difference for the Heat is that, what they don't need is role players. <laughs> they have plenty yeah. of role players and pl plenty of like depth, so to speak. This team is kind of the opposite. You're going to need everybody to be Jimmy yeah. Butler, all three of their big, their big three to be Jimmy Butler. This is kind of harkens back to the big three days, uh, the post, I guess, Celtics, the first team to go big three, where it was like, mm -hmm. hey, let's figure out what we're going to put out around them. And then the Heat obviously went and did it. Uh, with the new the way the CBA is uh, looking like we're predict everyone's predicting how it's going to work out. It's going to be really hard, but it seems Matt Ishbia is not going to have any problem spending money. The new owner of yeah. the Suns is certainly, I guess, going to be willing to go into the luxury tax. We'll see. So yeah. you want to I get mean, to the then, sad stuff? Know, yeah, let's let's make fun of the Wizards. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm in Washington, so I don't consider myself a Wizards fan, but I've come to appreciate when the teams in the city that you're in are good. It's not something that I can relate to. I mean, I guess they won the World Series and we got a Stanley Cup, but I mean, come on, guys. Football or basketball, what we care about, and we ain't doing nothing in there. So uh, it's sad. How, how is, you're, the, you're, the, you're the expert here. How is the football team they're doing? Just can you – things are going great there, right? I mean, I, you know, it looks like yeah. uh, there's leadership transition. You got a new <laughs> offensive coordinator, uh, coach in waiting. So, yeah, things are great. Huh? Looking up, all yeah. positive. Looking up. Let's talk about shout the basketball to, team, to DC. which is it's harder to put a positive spin on it. They got a new general manager, uh, William Dawkins, that they um, poached from the OKC Thunder, which is promising because the Thunder is a team that we all celebrate every year for their general managing, not mm. for winning championships, but they be generally managing the hell out of all of this, getting all the picks in the young talent that's some at some point we believe is going to turn into something special. But here in D.C., we traded away the most valuable piece we had and brought back, as you already kind of hinted towards, oh, I mean, a whole lot of nothing. 
A whole, a whole lot of nothing. Landry Shamit is probably the best thing we got back. So we're going to be running this Shamit. And uh, I guess Chris Stapps, maybe bring Kuz back. That's our big three, baby. I think Chris Stapps might, be, might not yeah. be long for that Wizard squad either. Um, player option, right? Yeah, and Shamit, um, my Triscuit-complected brother, is not going to be doing <laughs> – much much for that squad i'm sorry the the thing is as much as i would like to make fun of the current uh, management team and, and all that stuff for, for making this trade this really goes back to giving brad to re-signing bradley beal right. for that max contract and then giving him a no trade clause like there there is really no excuse to do that for a guy that as soon as he got that contract we knew that he was not going to have that contract for as long as he possibly could um, he was not going to, you know, live out that contract with the Wizards. He was going to go somewhere, and you gave him a a no trade clause, which there ain't that many of those in the league. Uh, you know, Stephen Curry ain't got a no trade clause with Golden State. Yeah, I think you know, he's, and Bradley's, Bradley's got the only one, right? Yeah, and so yeah. you have, you know, and so uh, then so they're using that. They're saying the no tra- trade clause, and that definitely tanked his value because those those the teams he wanted to go to. He wanted to go to Miami. He wanted to go. To Phoenix and Phoenix gave you that and and by contrast this is what they got back for Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook when he was with the Wizards they got KCP Montrez Harrell Kyle Kuzma second round picks and a first round pick uh. for Russell Westbrook the Russell Westbrook that went to the Lakers that's what they got back from him and they got one-tenth of that for Bradley Beal who is still a 30 point per game score pretty much and you know one of the best guard shooting guards in the league and that's the best you can get from him because years ago you gave him a really stupid no tra- no tra- is there is there a curse like i feel like we have to find out if there's a curse because what happened in the uh the draft lottery when they had gotten almost a 50 percent chance to get or over 50 percent chance to get victor Wimbanyama, and then they mm-hmm. end up just about where their record suggests they end up in the draft and things just haven't gone well for the wizards in quite some time you go back to all the way back to gilbert arenas being the man and missing those free throws and also pulling guns on his teammate john mm-hmm. wall uh jumping on the scores table after not advancing in the playoffs and blowing out his achilles <laughs> There's just not much to be excited about here. And every time we get a little bit excited, they do something silly. And the one valuable thing we had, or they had, just because I live here doesn't mean I have to root for them. One valuable thing that they had, they just traded away. And I guess it's a restart because normally you, you think about these situations as, all right, we're stockpiling something in order to mm. make a move next. But no, mm. they didn't get a whole bunch of picks. They... They just like cleared the decks to get ready to then go get a whole bunch of picks. It's just disappointing. To, and it's all because of the no trade clause, which was negotiated under the previous GM, but all, obviously also okayed by the um, the governor of the team, Ted Leonsis. To tank the year after women Yambas gets drafted. <laughs> <laughs> like, like to tank after that is insane. And what's even crazier is that I saw that. So there, there's this thing about where's Chris Paul going to go now, right? Yeah, um, not here. He could not, not there. And so, but I saw a report that the Wizards actually wanted Chris Paul to stay with the team. Like, what are you doing? Like, that that seems crazier than than trading for him because Chris Paul, as we've seen, we saw him do with OKC. Obviously, not the same guy that was a few years ago, but he's going to be worth ten or fifteen games to your team 
just by you know like how are you right. what are you doing like you're having you're going to keep a guy on your team that may get you to 35 games yeah, when you should be tanking you know like of course you should get rid of chris paul like move the guy either to the clippers or the lakers do what you can but like the idea that the that management right as it stands right now if chris paul is willing to stay they're going to keep him there is absolutely insane to me yeah i mean i think that i don't know that chris paul is worth as many regular season wins as he once was, but uh, I can't imagine. He worked some wins. He yeah, worked, some he's worked wins. something. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine that they're looking to tank for next year's draft. Uh, I also can't imagine that Chris Paul wants to be here. They say the yeah. right things. You say that you want to keep him, but I'm pretty sure he's going to get moved at some point, and hopefully they'll be able to get something of value, maybe some future picks from one of these teams. But I mean, I don't know. It's just really depressing and sad because let alone winning a championship i can't really imagine the next time they're gonna have an all-star here in washington but i guess things turn quick they turn quick just gonna get lucky maybe maybe one of those second round picks is gonna turn into Jokic. that'll that'll yeah. be it number 41 yeah. it's gonna happen again all right maybe Alabaster, Jokic will go back in the draft and they can draft him again <laughs> in the second round uh i was just shrugging my shoulders and being like yeah well at least ted leonsis isn't daniel snyder um yeah, but there you go. That's let's positive. talk about the suns for a tiny bit and i want to know do does this hypothetical team with beal booker durant and just imagining Aiden still on the team. Does this does this seem like super team built again? Does it seem like they looked around at the landscape and were like, the Nuggets are a mountain that we can climb. We can be this dominant team in the league. Do you view this as the super teams of the past we've seen over the last decade? Um, I mean, yeah, by name, it's a lot. But I guess the, the question is, do you think that they can beat the Nuggets? As currently constructed, I don't feel confident that they're going to be able to beat the Nuggets with this group. Like the hope is to completely outscore them as if the Nuggets don't have uh, long wings that can also defend. So they could beat the Nuggets, but it doesn't seem like it makes them favorites the way you would think when you put three names like this together. They still need some other pieces because who going, what they going to do with uh, Jokic? Like that's a big question. Can they outscore? I guess that's what they're going to have to be. And that was part of the problem last year was it wasn't the problem last season. The problem wasn't that they couldn't get shots, but they couldn't shoot threes. And I guess Bill helps with that. And I don't know. I don't feel all that confident given what the roster looks like now. Yeah, it feels like a mildly anachronistic big three. Like it's a big three that was built for the previous CBAs. But the, you can't build around the big three that you have now in the same way that you did then. Like right. you, Like you mentioned, Boston – and Miami and even the Warriors to an extent, I mean, they didn't right. really need that much rebuilding and stuff like that. What they were able to um, build around, like get three stars and figure it out later, right. right? And the NBA, as you know, has constructed CBAs to stop you from doing that. And so now they're trying to do that <laughs> with the current uh, structure of having these three stars and trying to fit those things around them, which is gonna be way harder to do now than it was in the past. So I don't see them as with, that oh, that same type of big three. With uh, the way things are set up, it may be too hard to do it this year because we haven't completely transitioned to this world. But with mm -hmm. the more restrictions on the salary cap and frankly, a more firm salary cap that guys are going to mm -hmm. go over, we might end up in a place where 
players that cost tens of millions of dollars in the past won't have a market, but to mm. get two, three, five. And so it may be easier to get those guys once they start cycling through the pre the contracts of the previous CBA. But I don't know if it's going to be soon, soon enough. It's going to take a couple yeah. of years before we get to the point to where there's going to be a bunch of role players floating around that, that's looking for four or five, six million dollar contracts. Right now, they're going to have to trade to get those guys. So I don't know. It feels like the timing may be a little off for mm. both, you know, for either end yeah. of the CBA. But talent wins, and they got a lot of that right now. At least they're top heavy. So if they can stay healthy and get into the playoffs, a lot of us thought that they could have beaten the Nuggets as they were, were they, the way they were constructed before. So when they get yeah. in there, things could happen. People get hurt, you know, things break one way or the other. They'll be competitive. Uh, having uh, maybe Booker go off one game gets you a game. Durant going off for a couple of games might get you a game or two. And you hope Bill gets you one and then just hope they're cold. So I think they have a chance to just normally, I think when you get a bunch of names like this together, you're like, oh, this team will be formidable. And I'm not sure that we all feel that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think we've seen in all the super teams like the, the like three scores of this level in the same yeah. squad. At that, I mean, I guess we could say Kyrie, Harden, and KD in the Nets, but that there was a lot of other stuff going on. That yeah. sort of, I mean, they only played like fifteen games together, so there may be just thing where you just roll the ball on the court and those guys each score forty points, and it's just like, well, this was maybe the easiest thing is what it is. Like this yeah. guy, these guys just score a lot, but when we talk about the super team thing. It's interesting that this trade revolves around two guys whose careers were defined by these super team decisions. Like Chris Paul's legacy is defined by a trade like this that was vetoed, right? Like yep. there was a trade, like this is a worse trade than the one that got vetoed that would have sent him um, to the Lakers and changed the trajectory of his team. And then there's KD, who we really got to talk about KD and what what his career is actually going to look like, man. Because this guy, we're, we're year, what, 15 here? And we're talking, you've teamed with with MVP-level Westbrook, young Harden. You went to a, the 73-win Warriors team, won two chips there. You got Kyrie. You got former MVP and James Harden. That didn't work. You went Devin Booker. That didn't, you know, and Chris Paul. That didn't work. Now you got Booker and Beal. First, you know, all-time scores, first-team NBA-type players. Like, we're, we're looking at this thing with Kevin Durant where we're saying, hey, at the end of his career, are these going to be the two championships that he has with all of these teammates that he's played with and all of these teams that he's played yeah. with throughout this entire time? Like we can talk about the toe on the three-point line. We can talk about the bad luck with the injuries. We can yeah. talk about the Kyrie. But when you when you look at it on paper and you look at all of these players he's played with, I don't think you're looking at a star player who's played with as much talent as he's played with throughout his career. And two rings feels like not enough for that that type of career and his talent. Yeah, we've talked about this before, but I think it's he may be one of the few players in NBA history that has had an all-time great career, but also one that looks like an underachievement, which mm -hmm. is kind of weird to say because I don't think anyone would argue that he's not in the conversation with the all-time greats, but also, like, yeah, he should have done more. I mean, yeah, feels wrong to say, but, like, we we should be talking about him versus LeBron, and that's not a conversation that we had for an extended period of time. Oh well, yeah, I mean he's he's had legendary big threes pretty much his entire career, you know. Um, and I think what last season was the first season he didn't play with somebody who at one point in their career had an MVP. So you know, like 
dude, go win a ring, man. <laughs> like it's Haters. time. Go win a ring. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's like you're gonna say something stupid, aren't no, you? No, I was gonna say the comparison now is is <laughs> LeBron and Curry. It's not LeBron and Durant that has fallen out over the last yeah. six years. Um all right, more NBA news. Um how does John Morant's twenty five game suspension sit with you? Go ahead, David. I'll let you kick this one off because it's a, a bit of a thorny topic for me. Yeah, so I am not one who believes necessarily in punitiveness in punishments, right? Like 25 games really does not mean anything to me. 25, 50, whatever. Um, to me, it is about what is the restorative act that you're looking to get from this, right? Like, what are you actually trying to get John Morant to improve on? What are you actually trying to say that he did wrong and that you don't want him to do again? Because is it actually the gun thing? Because if it's actually him having the guns, then why wasn't he suspended 25 games at the beginning? If it is disobeying the league and you're suspending him for 25 games for doing for going and talking to Adam Silver, saying he wasn't going to do it and doing it again, then we're having a different conversation. Do you care about the disrespect of the league more than you right. care about the actual gun waving? But at the heart of all of this is the fact that in all of these sports and sort of society as a whole, we don't adjudicate punishment for the way that we treat women in the same way that we in the way that we should. So we have these comparatives that we have to do all the time. And we talk about the NBA and their suspension of Miles Bridges compared to John Morant and the way they handle that. And so now we're looking at a situation where they suspend Miles Bridges, essentially 10 games. They said it was already 20 games or something for time served. And now you're suspending John Morant two and a half times that for waving a gun on Instagram. So when so this is sort of becomes how we talk about punishment and crime and things like that because we it becomes comparative. And right. we're not actually talking about what we're going to do to make anybody better. We're talking about tit for tat, this person right. did that, apples to orange conversations, and we have a 20 game, 25 game suspension and it's a number of games and we're not talking about what are we actually going to accomplish on the other side of this. Yeah, because it's not about that. And I think that's why these topics are always uncomfortable for me is because I think mm -hmm. most people around sports fans and even media that covers sports are talking about the punishment and how it relates to the crime that was committed or the, the infraction that was committed or how it um, relates to other ones that have happened. But I think what we misunderstand is the league is not a judicial system and they are not a society. They are a for-profit entity. And the reason why they punish is not the reason why you think. I think often we believe that they are punishing because someone did something wrong. In actuality, the reason why they punish is the same reason why they enacted a dress code. It's about right. the image that they want to portray because that is directly tied to the money that they can make to the, uh, the businesses that want to be associated with them through sponsors to the people who will buy tickets and, and go to the games and buy jerseys like that is whether they say it explicitly or not, that is the incentive for them. The incentive for them is not to rehabilitate anyone, not to say that they don't want to. I imagine that they would love to. And I think Adam Silver, the times I've talked to him, seemed like a good dude who actually cares about players. But we have to understand that the, the most um, problematic infraction you can have is you make the, league look, make the league look bad or you're impacting the image of the league in some way that's negative, which is why they use the term conduct detrimental, which is a catch-all that I absolutely hate because you can use it at any point. 
Yeah. yeah. Every yeah. everything that you do is detrimental to the you can argue is detrimental to the league. Just about everything that is not explicitly positive, you could argue is detrimental to the league. And then they sometimes do and sometimes don't. And it's always a bit of a weighing of like how much is this gonna hurt us with this constituency? How much are people gonna be angry that we punish this person? Or how much are people gonna be angry that we didn't punish people? And that's the tough situation that we end up in with this John Morant situation, which is so sad because it clearly seems like he's a guy who needs help and it's there right. are some stipulations in there that we don't know about i hope that he's going to get the help if not for him but also for it ain't gonna stop happening if it th- yeah. seems like there's something core to this issue that is more than we understand and we can appreciate so hopefully he uses this time between now and when he comes back to address those things and they can be rectified but i think they made it pretty clear without absolutely saying it that this is about making us look bad right yeah which like, which also again, Miles Bridges is not suspended for conduct detrimental to the league. Right. You know, like so there's, you know, so there's always that that what is like you said, it's always arbitrary. What does it mean? To, it just it just feels like they were just like, and, you know, like there, there's two things that that are at, at play here, and I think you, you nailed it when you talk about this is not a judiciary, this is not a government thing, but just so don't act like that. Like don't act but they, like yeah. this is something that you're doing for the societal good <laughs> you know but like, i think they do because about... i think that's all part of the image it's like they want to yeah, project to all yeah. of us that they are here for the good of society and i think that it's important to them on some level but the most important thing is keeping that green rolling in yeah but like like punishment as we know doesn't really do anything to rehabilitate right. anybody <laughs> you know like there has to be some sort of undercurrent of making this better right? right and so if your if your end goal is john Morant, don't flash your guns on instagram then say that say don't put your guns on ig live right if that's all you care about then just say that's all we care about because my feeling is that like hey if somebody were driving by in memphis and said oh hey there's john Morant flashing his guns in his car what is not on instagram what is, is the nba going to do something or if there's this hubbub around the town that John Morant, just a guy who likes to flash his guns and it doesn't make the mainstream like it does on Instagram, does the NBA care? So is it yeah, just like, not. is it just IG live, turn your camera off, then say that, you know, but say I mean, it's John also disrespect us. Don't say he's, he's a bad role model to these kids, right? Like, you don't care about that. Yeah. I mean, it's also about uh, deterring other players from doing anything silly i think like that's the point of all of this stuff is it's a big overarching the reason why i use the dress code as a comparison is like that's what it's Mm -hmm. about so the image of the league and that's i i feel bad because i feel like i'm coming off as preachy and judgy but i'm less judgy about the nba than i am about the people who believe that the nba stands for some sort of or it represents some sort of societal code more than they represent themselves and so like a lot of the penalties will be different depending on the name of the player john Morant is a ambassador he got good enough to become like a image of the league the things that he do that he does like they become stories about the NBA, whereas lesser mm. players, the things that they do become a story about them, which frankly, the NBA doesn't need them, can care less about them. In a league like this that's built around its stars, it's important that the stars act the way that they want them to act because that does reflect on everybody in the league. When you hear people talking bad about certain companies or talking bad about certain countries or talking bad about or doing anything that's embarrassing to the league, if it's one of those top stars, one of the people that they're mm. building this around, 
it is a problem. They're going to call you into the office and have a talk with you about messing up everybody else's money. I'm sure they've already had a talk with Jokic's agent about him acting like <laughs> the championship don't mean nothing. All this right. stuff matters to them. And I know those things are not uh, the same, but I think to some degree, the way that the league looks at it, they are. And also, I hate conduct detrimental. Just as a general yeah. principle for across all leagues. It's just a catch-all that they can use to penalize anybody for anything. And right now, John Morant deserves some sort of punishment, so we're all okay with it. But as soon as they start punishing people for conduct detrimental, because let's say they participate in a social justice protest. It's not something that mm-hmm. the NBA would do, but they could argue, no, this is detrimental to the league because that half of the country believes that this is not okay. So this is conduct that is detrimental. And I know it seems far-fetched to you now, but... You don't want to give them the power to do stuff like that, but it's too late. Cat's already out the bag. I hate yeah, content and I, detrimental. <laughs> and I think I think it's important to note that as and I know how you feel about this that uh, that as we're talking about the punishment and what's not going, that there are two things that could be true. Like we could be very concerned with John Morant's actions and like think that he's some ain't right and he shouldn't be doing this, but also understand that the NBA and the, the way that they are going forward with the punishment and this conduct that is not actually going to also solve that problem. Like we can feel as though these two things can be true. Like right. I don't, I'm worried about John Morant. I'm worried about decision-making. And I think that something needs to be done, but I also don't believe that the NBA is really the right place to be, you know, that that's not where the help is going to come from. The help has to come from something else that's actually going to really rehabilitate or try to make him sort of make better decisions. Cause at yeah. the end of the day, this is a young kid making bad decisions with guns and that's never a good thing yeah they're they're two different conversations i think yeah is the uh, john morant's penalty and john morant's rehabilitation are two different conversations and yeah i i I hold john morant to a lower standard than i do any institution and generally i think we should hold institutions to a higher degree of scrutiny than we should individuals so uh yeah, I don't know. I think we we hit all the points, major points that are worth talking about with John Moran. And I hope that, like, I think that's the thing that somehow some, we haven't lost it in this conversation, but sometimes get lost when we're talking about all this stuff is the stuff that he has done, like, is on the far edge of, like, what we accept as, like, rational behavior. So, like, yeah. that's the most concerning part to like have and and i don't think anyone is foolish enough to believe that if the first penalty didn't deter him that a second Mm -hmm. penalty isn't going to deter him so the penalty isn't the answer but anyway i got my check which means alabaster wants me to shut up (laughs) i i thought you wanted to move on my bad Uh, no i did what i did want to move on i i mean i can tell sometimes i get on my soapbox about things i care about and i know that we are bleeding viewers and listeners when i start talking about institutions Mm. Mm. Well, let's talk about Mike here, Malone. Here, I was about to say, here's an institution <laughs> that can get the viewers back on track. Who's uh, who's coming off like the bigger herb here? Michael Malone for continuing to troll the Lakers, or LeBron for his passive aggressive Instagram post from Europe? Yeah, man, it seems obvious to me, right? It's got to be Michael, right? You think so? You think it's LeBron? Okay, I, I think I, I got to hear your argument for LeBron. Like he had one tweet. I mean, or one uh, IG post in reaction to Mike Malone. And it was kind of funny. It's a good IG post. I mean, essentially calling himself the son, which he is, and told them to enjoy a little bit of light. He is the son of the NBA. It was a reasonable response while they're taking shots at him after complaining. So Michael Malone um, <laughs> has been complaining for the course of the entire playoffs how no one cares about his team. And they only mm-hmm. want to talk about the Lakers. 
So what this fool do when nobody's talking about the Lakers, but bring up the damn Lakers at his damn uh, parade? Like that to me seems like you're blaming all of us of being obsessed with the Lakers while you are currently also obsessed with the Lakers. You look stupid. That's all. I think I think you may have, you may sway me. I think both. Of, I just think both of these things are silly. I just think both of them are sort of like, like it's a parade. Guys get drunk. They make fun of folks. Like right. you know, like I just think that the Lakers are the target. At LeBron. I mean, LeBron knows that he's LeBron. The Lakers know they're the Lakers. You get drunk. You make fun of the uh, yeah. the the people. You know, like you you know, hey, you know, you like you always just talk about the coolest thing that ever happened to you when you're. Right smacked at the bar right and so michael malone is smacked at the bar and talking about that one time that he beat the lakers right it's not as cool to be like hey i beat jimmy butler in the yeah. heat well yeah of course we knew you're gonna do that but you beat the lakers you i know? guess i wouldn't him. normally have a problem with it if it wasn't for the fact that he spent most of the playoffs complaining about how nobody talk about them and then they got people up there who are introducing him as the lakers daddy like what are we doing that wasn't even the last round that you won like to me, it just that's why it seems whack. I'm with you. I don't mind a little bit of trash talk, but it just seems particularly um, corny for a guy who complained about all we talk about is not them to get up there and use his opportunity to talk about not them. Like it just, eh, ooh, shut up, Michael. Also, Michael, great album, Killer Mike. Oh, it's ruined my weekend. Yeah. I ain't do nothing but listen to that on repeat all weekend. Shout out to to Michael Render, Killer Mike. Uh, speaking of hip hop, uh, go ahead. Uh, Rap Stories oh, yeah. podcast doing fantastic on the charts. Everybody, twelve episodes. Anyway, yeah, fantastic. Nice segue. Good that way. is great. great. I set you up. Yeah, yeah, money of high respects. What you need in life. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Interview twelve rappers about great albums. Everybody, subscribe. Now, leave, that's, a, leave a review. That's how we definitely get a check by uh, just going on a complete tangent. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just talk about uh, rap stories. Download it. Rate review. Yeah. Dominique Foxworth podcast. What else you got? You got anything you want to sell? You selling Herbalife? Oh, anything? You can- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a multi. What's multi stage marketing? Yeah, I got something. Yeah, but Marcus, yeah, everybody, come on over. I, I got a perfect plot, a perfect idea. Come on over, and you ever been invited to one of those? And you ever, you ever had one of those people who's like, hey, come over to the crib. Yeah, we we'll have some sandwiches yeah. and, and uh, some finger foods, and I got an idea for you. That was the last time I talked to that guy. Yeah, there were no more friends anymore. That's yeah. Alabaster. Anyway, until he started of- until he started hosting Debatable with me, and then I had to talk to him right. again. Speaking of him, <laughs> Alabaster, that Tupperware was worthless. Yes. Speaking of somebody who um, would never have a multi-level uh, marketing scheme, Russell Wilson. Investors could be you. Um, all right, guys. Are you convinced that a slimmer Russell Wilson can have a bounce-back year? I'm convinced that Russell Wilson going to have a bounce back year. I don't care how slim he is or how many skating exercises he does. It is not about the loss of weight. There he is. That thing is mm. tough, though. It's a good rehab. I never, I've never seen that before. Oh, yeah. I've we never, used to use it for, like, uh, knee injuries and stuff, get quad strength. That thing will burn, burn, burn. It is really tough. But anyway, it's not about the weight that he's lost as much as it is the weight that he has gained. And Sean Payton. How much Sean Payton weigh? I don't know. 210. That weight is the the reason why Russell Wilson might have a bounce back year because Sean Payton is that good of an offensive coach and frankly that good of a coach. So he's had a ton of success in his career, all with pretty much one quarterback. But uh maybe he can do it again with Russell. They got plenty of talent out there in a division that's pretty tough. But they, I mean, they got talent on defense, on offense, good offensive line a quarterback who has a track record of success and a coach with a track record record of success. 
I'm not sure what else you need to have success in this league. So, yeah, he can bounce back. I don't, I don't think – is there a, a more – in any sport, I can't think of a bigger jump in coaching talent from Natty Hacks to Sean Payton. Hey, like, I just cannot think of, like, going – going from natty hacks to sean payton like that is one of the big off-season moves you'll ever see i mean that that itself should be worth some win my my thing about that video that i noticed was that he was playing nipsey hustle and it was the unedited version he had potty words in this video i can't believe russell wilson had no no words in this video while he was doing his exercise i was i, I was playing it loud i figured he was playing the walmart version but there was all kind of all kind of grown-up language in there i don't know somebody whoever edited that needs is going to get a, a stern lecture i want to talk I, I would like to the real russell russell wilson introduce himself to us at some point like i don't want to pass judgment it just doesn't feel like we know who he is feels like he's trying to present something to us that we don't appreciate mm -hmm. and now it feels like he's in on the joke which is a lot less fun where it's like yeah mm -hmm. i know y'all gonna make fun of this so i'm gonna get you something to make fun of just throw some touchdowns and then no matter what you do we will celebrate it it does not matter. You can say the most absurd things. If you are one of the best quarterbacks in football, you are automatically cool, and I will buy into your multi-level marketing scheme immediately. Over under two Nipsey Hustle songs that Russell Wilson knows. Over. Got to be over. I think we don't know who he is. Like, I mean, you think Sierra? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the, the Sierra um, marriage has really done wonders for what I think of him because it's like mm -hmm. Sierra ain't choosing to spend all her time with him if – he don't got something to him, right? You think he's got like the Wayne Brady, Dave Chappelle skit thing going on? He's just like, <laughs> no, no, no. He's just no. riding around that big, that big Hummer, that big truck, just blasting. Blast. Do you think he's blasting the Killer Mike album while he's uh in in that truck? Well, uh, Future's on that album, so it might be a little bit uncomfortable. He's on that song with three stacks. Future's on that yeah, song, so yeah, you might have to skip that one. Yeah, I think it's probably pre-deleted from his playlist whenever. Uh, <laughs> Whenever those those come on, he probably he's probably in the Hummer bumping bumping some of that bumping some Migos. A Hummer, all what that. Just, you know, you see, you remember the picture of the big old the big yeah he did have that big truck. black Hummer yeah and a big uh yeah the all lives matter mobile that he was driving around. <laughs> I in. forgot about that. <laughs> I hated that truck so much. Oh god, yeah. I remember it reminded me in Denver. Um, Brandon Marshall, when we drafted him, he was like, we had like a mentor rookie program and he was my rookie. Uh -huh. I was in my second year and he went to go buy a car and he got one of them big Hummers and he drove it into his, uh, he had bought a house into his garage, tore the whole garage up. The Hummer was too big for his little <laughs> house. So he returned the Hummer and got one of those Toyotas with the white tops. And then everyone just roasted him because they said that his car had a do-rag on. You remember the Toyota trucks that just had like the white tops on it? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. They just roasted him for having a car with a do-rag on it. But he went on to be one of the best receivers in football. So the joke stopped. Yes, you can you can drive yeah, whatever you drive truck whatever you, you want. want. Uh, I, back <laughs> to the beginning. 12. Just be good. Yeah. Be great. <laughs> right. that, that Toyota truck got cool as hell when nobody right. could cover B Marsh. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, overall, I think Russell Wilson, I think your, your point was was it what it was. The Sean Payton is going to make him a lot better. Like, those slotty things aren't good. Like, we're in the off-season IG yeah. video. Everybody's in the um, best shape era. of their life. You're right. We're in the we're in the Ben Simmons MVP uh uh, months of the year so uh <laughs> so this is just what it's gonna be yeah that silence is last one yeah. last one oh. um oh. what does it tell you that aaron Rodgers reportedly rejected a trade to the patriots 
nothing, obviously. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is not going like he wanted to get out of Green Bay because he didn't like the way that they they were not incorporating him in decision making and the way that they were treating him like he wasn't special. Where do you think he want to go to New England and play for Belichick, who had a quarterback who won him multiple Super Bowls that he was like, yeah, I think it's time for him to go. Still didn't treat him special. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. If you have choices, uh, New England is not the place you want to go. And if you are complaining about living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the cold and not having anything to do, going to Foxborough, where do we fly into? We like flew into like New Hampshire or something, Vermont to play games in Foxborough. Like people think it's Boston. It ain't Boston, folks. It ain't Boston. It yeah, ain't it's, Boston. it's Foxborough is more than an hour outside of Boston. So he ain't trying to go there either. Yeah, it just tells me that Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to a better team. <laughs> he just wanted to go to a team that had better players around him. I think that's what it is. And, and I think it's telling that, I mean, there, you could talk about the Tom Brady, Belichick, whatever. I just think he he's, thinks he has a better chance to win with the Jets. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, he'd rather follow. Also, I, mean, for, I, I mean, you talk bad about my man, Natty Hacks, but uh, I mean, that's the guy who got him to go to New York, right? Is that part of the reason why he went there? Because that's his man, right? That That is the Natty Hacks is a grown <laughs> Nepo baby who is not even related to Aaron Rodgers. That is what he is. He is just like, like a, a cousin. Bro. They're yeah, like a nepo, like a nepo bro. Like, like you that. just get nepotism just by just by drinking beer with Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and you get jobs and jobs and jobs just by hanging around Aaron Rodgers. And you know, like he's basically like when the hype man gets an album, like when Split Star got his own album. Like that's basically like he's basically like Natty oh, Hacks is basically all the guys who were on Uchiwali, but by himself. That's basically who Natty the bodyguard Hacks is. had a verse in Uchiwali. Right, like he was like Natty Hacks is like all of the. <laughs> Uh, Saint yeah, Lunatics, all of the guys. Yeah, he's basically yeah he's 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 one of the he's one of the lun- he's like a he's a he's a Wu Tang killer beat. That's basically who Natty Hex is. He's one of the Wu Tang killer D- beats. D twelve happened to be yes. We're basically. just showing our age right now. Who's, I don't know who the modern version of that. I just keep uh, thinking of uh, uh, Melly's crew, which is not the crew you want to be talking about these days. Well, yeah, a lot of hip hop. Um, yeah. ASAP, ASAP, ASAP. They got a crew, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be young guys. It's too yeah, it's over. It's all. Yeah, TikTok, little baby. <laughs> just say, just say young things. Just yeah, just say young. Yeah, yeah. TikTok, little baby. We're cool. Flo Billy. <laughs> Look at us, guys. Just some, just some young, just some young kids with talking goatees. Yes, with goatees, goat bros. <laughs> Oh man! Well, we can go back and enjoy the rest of our Father's Day. You do anything yes. fun? Uh, no. Yeah, no. me either. Like, and that's how I like it. Just leave me alone for Father's yeah, Day. Just, yeah, just yeah, just just let me do. I've I've, I've said, hey, I'm got to. I'm doing debatable for twelve hours. So I just lock myself in the room. <laughs> exactly. I just want to work. Got to work. Got to work. Got to work. Everybody. See y'all later. Uh, Juneteenth. Okay. Enjoy it. Yes, indeed.